Let's take our Bibles, please turn to Revelation uh, chapter 9 this morning, Revelation chapter 9, and we continue, uh, Brother Mike, to make our way through uh, the book of Revelation. I'll just remind you kind of the structure of the judgments that we're seeing pictured here. Of course, uh, be reminded this morning, it's not just angry judgment that we're seeing here in the book of Revelation, but uh, it's, it's judgment for sure, and Brother Mike, it, it reflects... Um, the, um, the anger of God at sin, certainly, uh, but it's, it's judgment with a purpose of, of uh, hopefully drawing people uh, to the Lord. And uh, we know this is the Lord's program to reach Jewish people. We know that many will be reached. Uh, and so this is ultimately a hopeful thing, despite the, the nature and uh, severity of the instruction, I should say the correction uh, that we see here. Now, remember, the Lord has uh, identified or labeled these various judgments as seals uh, and trumpets and vials. And sometimes, Zach, we might struggle to remember kind of what's the order of those things. Uh, they're alphabetical, actually, so that, that's a helpful way to remember them. If you can remember seals, trumpets, vials, not sure which, which kind of the way the order goes, they are alphabetical, S, T, and then V, so uh, seals, trumpets, vials. Um, recall that we've seen uh, some of the seal judgments, and now uh, we're looking at the trumpet judgments. Uh, the seventh seal judgment uh, is described as containing the trumpet judgments. Uh, we've seen the first four, uh, and then today here in Revelation 9, uh, we see uh, the fifth and sixth of seven trumpet judgments. And uh, the fifth, sixth, and seventh are called woes. Uh, see that, or at least we think, uh, back in chapter 8, verse 13, Lord uses woe three times and uh, seems to uh, be alluding to these uh, last, of the, last three of the seven trumpet judgments as woes. Uh, see, uh, chapter 8, verse 13, uh, John writes, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, uh, imagine yourself as John seeing these things, uh, uh, saying with a loud voice, and there's three woes, woe, woe, woe. Gary, we reminded ourselves last week, it's not like you're riding the horse and you're trying to stop the horse saying, whoa, horsey, it's not like that, right? This is woe, uh, trial, trouble, difficulty, three times, woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voice of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. Uh, and so these final, uh, final three trumpet judgments, not the final judgments, but the final three or last three of those that are called trumpet judgments are, are labeled here as, as woes. Uh, and Zach, certainly they are, they are pretty significant uh, woes. Uh, I want to read uh, the first three verses of chapter 9, and we'll come back and start making some observations here. Uh, John writes, uh, Revelation 9, verse 1, fifth angel sounded. So remember, the Lord is using angels here to sound forth these uh, judgments and to execute the judgments. The fifth angel sounded. John writes, I saw a star, that's the, the word that he uses, a star fall from heaven unto the earth. To him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Uh, and he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke uh, out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. Zach, what do you suppose that pit is? 
Sound, sounds like hell, doesn't it? Uh, there was smoke out of the pit, smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. There came out of the smoke locusts. Well, that sounds familiar to us also from our recent studies in Revelation. There came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and upon uh, them, unto them was given power, uh, as the scorpions of the earth uh, have power. So, um, there's language here, Brother Michael, could be a, a little bit difficult, so we'll step back here and consider what is it that John is likely seeing here? What, uh, what scripture might we bring to bear on the passage to help us understand, to interpret uh, what exactly is going on here? Uh, look at the first part of, of verse 1 again. John writes, the fifth angel sounded, so again, uh, we know that in his vision, angels are trumpeting forth these judgments. Uh, they're ulti ultimately seen as uh, ministering forth, executing these judgments. Uh, Lord is using, to, yep, to judge sin, but also to shake the world awake, uh, to cause people to see their need for Christ, uh, as he will use trials in our lives at this time to accomplish the same. Uh, this would be an extreme form of, of that idea, that principle. Fifth angel sounded. John says, I saw a star uh, fall from heaven uh, unto the earth, and to him uh, was given the key of the bottomless pit. And so star, first thing we uh, need to consider here, what, what exactly is this? Is this a literal star, uh, or, or might this be a person? Um, and I guess really the question is, uh, are there significant reasons to think that who he sees here is, in fact, uh, Satan? I would offer that that is, in fact, the case. Uh, this star who he sees falling uh, and who was given the key to the bottomless pit, the underlying word is uh, the word that's uh, translated abyss um, or pit. Uh, why might we view the word star here uh, as Satan. Well, Zach, first of all, you see here that the star is called a hem, right? So that could be poetic language again, but it is referred to as they use a pronoun identified that's consistent with the star being personal and, and male. Well, we know Satan is personal and he's male. We also know that he is an angel, uh, a fallen angel, but an angel nonetheless. Uh, this, this person is associated with um, the bottomless pit or, or the abyss, which uh, arguably pictures uh, hell, uh, Brother Mike. Uh, we also know that there's other places in Scripture, Janet, where um, angels seem to be called stars, uh, perhaps poetically, uh, perhaps not. Uh, in Job 38, verse 7, uh, Job writes, When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted uh, for joy, uh, we know that Job ultimately is picturing angels, uh, and so he poetically refers to them as stars, and uh, Job is arguably the earliest book that's written down. Uh, of course, Genesis is the first book chronologically, but Job's arguably uh, the first book that's written down. So use that principle of first reference. Um, Job referred to angels as stars, and Arguably, uh, John is doing the same, perhaps borrowing from Job uh, as the Holy Spirit is, is guiding him. Uh, we've already mentioned that he's, he's called um, uh, the angel of the bottomless pit or the star that's associated with the bottomless pit. 
Um, if you look down to verse 11, uh, look there at verse 11, um, uh, there's an angel here of the bottomless pit uh, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, uh, but in the Greek tongue, uh, Apollyon, both names refer to uh, destruction or destroyer or something like that. Uh, a man of perdition, another one, a person has offered, and uh, that language would be consistent with Satan uh, as being uh, the one who uh, is identified here. Uh, and so there's, there's a lot of scriptural reasons to view this star that's falling uh, from heaven to the earth. Uh, Zach, was, was Satan not expelled from heaven also? So that there, you know, there's, uh, and there's many other reasons or many other scriptures that we might kind of bring to bear on this passage to help illuminate who, who uh, this star is if, in fact, it's, it's not a literal star. And so I think there's, there's good scriptural reasons to conclude this star that's falling from heaven to the earth, uh, who is a him and who is given the key of the bottomless pit, uh, this is Satan that is um, being pictured here. Um, let's go on here. Verse 2, he opened the bottomless pit, uh, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, uh, as the smoke of a furnace, uh, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke. This acts very interesting. Uh, is this literal language? Is this picturing uh, something else that will be happening on the earth at this time. Honestly, I, I don't know if we can really know uh, th this side of heaven exactly what's happening here. Uh, if this is a literal Satan and a literal hell being pictured, uh, you know, there, there might in fact be something literal here that's a little bit beyond our grasp or understanding, uh, or perhaps something else that's being pictured here a little bit more uh, poetically. Uh, by the way, is hell a real place? Yeah, I mean, Scripture presents it as, as real uh, as heaven. Is heaven a real place, Brother Gary? Well, sure it is, and it's our hope, of course. Uh, the New Jerusalem, that, that will follow the, the very real thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. That's a real place, too. Uh, that's our ultimate eternal dwelling place. We certainly have no trouble believing that uh, those places uh, are literal and real, and the Bible, of course, presents... Uh, hell uh, as a place that's literal or real. And just listen here, it's described as a place of torment in, in Luke and Revelation, a place of fire uh, in the Gospels as well as in Revelation. Uh, it's a place where there's no comfort or help or mercy, Luke 16. Uh, it's a place where there's no uh, desires being fulfilled or prayers answered, Luke 16. Uh, it's a place of isolation, Luke 16. It's a place of uh, it's a place without hope. It's a place of remembrance and regret, Luke 16. You remember that passage. Uh, certainly, it's a place of punishment, Matthew 25. Uh, it's a place of wailing and gnashing of teeth, Matthew 25. A place of worms, a place of banishment, a place of darkness. Uh, it's a place to be avoided, Brother Mike. And thankfully, this morning, we know that if uh, anyone who repents of sin and places their faith in Christ, uh, his death, his burial, his resurrection... Uh, can and will avoid hell. We praise God for that. I don't have to worry this morning about spending even a moment in hell. That's, that's a great comfort. That's a great joy, uh, certainly. And we understand this morning no one has to go to hell. We praise God for that. Uh, verse 3, uh, can't help, as you see, locusts here. 
you can't help but think back to um, Joel, uh, Joel uh, and the locusts uh, that we've seen pictured uh, in Joel. Uh, verse 3 describes um, locusts uh, being released from this place that does seem to picture hell. Uh, some kind of demonic locusts are released uh, from this pit. There came out of the smoke locusts uh, upon the earth, and unto them was given power, uh, as the scorpions of the earth uh, have power. Uh, Joel talks about the palmer worm uh, hath left, uh, hath the locust eaten, that which the locust has left has the canker worm eaten. You remember this, this uh, plague of, of locusts that we saw uh, described in, in Joel. You know, we, we look at the, the passage in Joel and we wonder, is, are, the, are those literal locusts? Was it just picturing the Babylonians uh, coming and, and executing judgment? Um, I think it was literal locusts, mother, brother Mike, brother Mike, <laughs> uh, who also pictured uh, prophetically the, the coming invasion uh, of the Babylonians. Perhaps it also looks ahead prophetically to the, the judgment uh, of Revelation, uh, judgment during the time uh, of the Great Tribulation. Uh, what exactly is Joel, uh, forgive me, John picturing here? Uh, it's difficult to say for sure, but something is coming forth demonically uh, from hell uh, and is executing judgment upon the earth um, at this time. Verse 4 says this, it was commanded them that they should not uh, hurt the grass of the earth uh, neither any green thing, uh, neither uh, any tree, but only those men, which, and this is very interesting, uh, which have not the seal of God uh, in their foreheads. Now, that sounds like a recent study from the Old Testament also, doesn't it, Zach? Uh, where, where were we on Wednesday night? We were in Ezekiel, uh, um, is Ezekiel 9? So Revelation 9 and Ezekiel 9, uh, we see similar language here. Turn back to Ezekiel 9 uh, for a moment, please. Uh, Ezekiel 9. Uh, go there, please. Uh, this is the passage that we saw on Wednesday night where the uh, Bible says a man, but we, we think it's an angel, uh, is commanded uh, to mark the repentant, uh, those who were repentant uh, in Jerusalem, Ezekiel's time, uh, who are subsequently spared the judgment that's experienced by those who uh, lack the mark. So there's a very interesting parallel here um, between Ezekiel 9 and um, Revelation 9. Uh, there in that passage, beginning in verse 4, the Lord said unto them, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem. Are you there? You see that? Okay. Uh, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry, uh, for all the abominations uh, that be done in the midst thereof. So uh, Wednesday night we said it seems to be uh, picturing uh, their own repentance from sin that accompanied what's literally described as sorrow at all the sin around them. Um, sorrow at their own sin would certainly be implied. Repentance from that sin uh, would certainly be implied by the language. And uh, there in Ezekiel, the man or the angel uh, is commanded to set a mark upon the foreheads of men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Then verse 6, um, the others, uh, the other 
uh, in the group are commanded to slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man uh, upon whom is the mark and begin at the sanctuary. We talked about that language on Wednesday night. Uh, so there's no doubt that that language was immediately applicable to the people of Judah and specifically Jerusalem uh, in Ezekiel's day. Uh, Zach talking, uh, picturing the, the truth that the repentant uh, would not suffer all of the judgment of those who refused uh, to repent of their sin. Uh, no doubt that was literally immediately applicable uh, to the people of Ezekiel's day at that time. But it's just interesting also how it also seems to foreshadow uh, this larger event uh, of the tribulation period uh, where uh, the, the repentant are spared all of the judgment of the tribulation period as well. Uh, just, just very interesting that way. So come back to our passage, uh, our Revelation uh, 9 passage. Let's pick it up in verse 5. So um, there's, um, there's some uh, who are being judged, uh, some who are being uh, tormented, uh, if you will. Uh, verse 5 gives the duration of this. It's five months. And to them, uh, it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months uh, their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. So uh, those who are pictured as repentant will not suffer the uh, ultimate price or, or penalty of sin. They'll, they'll not know hell, but there does seem to be uh, some degree of penalty uh, that is being pictured here. Verse 6, in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, shall desire to die. Uh, death shall flee from them. Mike, during the tribulation period, many will desire uh, to die, to escape the severity uh, of, of the um, wrath of God that, that continues on during this time. Uh, they, they, it'll be so severe that many will conclude it'd just be better to die uh, than to go on uh, suffering, to go on living all, all of this torment, uh, but Lord will not permit them uh, to, to die. Uh, he, they'll die when, when he determines. By the way, that's a good thing to keep in mind, right? Our life is as long as the Lord chooses. Uh, when, when he determines it ends, it ends. Uh, that's, that's how that works. Um, let's continue on. Verse uh, 7, there's a description of these locusts that are released. And, um, well, let's, let's read the description. Verse 7, uh, the shape of the locusts. Uh, were like unto horses prepared unto battle, uh, and on their heads were, uh, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces uh, were as the faces of men. Uh, verse 8, they had hair uh, as the hair of women. So in the Bible, women have uh, hair that is distinctly different than men. Let's kind of make that observation as a quick aside. Uh, they had hair as the w hair of women, uh, and their teeth were as it the teeth of lions, uh, and they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, uh, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots uh, of many horses running to battle, uh, and they had tails like unto scorpions, uh, and there were stings in their tails, uh, and their power was to hurt men. Uh, five months. Boy, <laughs> what do you make of that? 
Uh, Gary, I remember back in the 70s and 80s when there was a lot of writing about Revelation and uh, books were being, popular books were being written and movies were being made. Uh, there was a suggestion, sort of popular suggestion, that this pictured uh, modern helicopters and, and, and modern warfare. And I suppose that's, that is a possibility um, if, in fact, John, uh, Lord allowed John to have a vision of what this would literally look like uh, in the future, uh, John would not probably have had language, Zach, he wouldn't have had the word helicopter, they, they hadn't been invented, uh, he would not have ever seen anything like this, certainly would not have ever, ever seen any kind of craft that was flying and being used for a military purpose, um, so, you know, he, he might use language like this to describe that. Now, Mike, I've considered that a lot over the years. Brother Garcia, certainly I, we, we've considered that possibility. Um, I'm going to say this. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's, there's certain aspects of this that, that might, uh, might be um, describing uh, a modern military helicopter course, we understand many have been made uh, right here in our immediate area for many years. Uh, they have breastplates of iron, uh, verse 9. The sound of their wings was, as it were, the sound of chariots. Uh, we've all had helicopters flying over our houses for years or in the vicinity of our homes for years. Uh, they're loud. They have tails like scorpions. Okay, maybe a little bit like a helicopter. Uh, there were stings in their tails. Uh, may, may, maybe that's uh, something that the helicopter is, is shooting out from, uh, from it, but a lot of other language here that uh, makes you wonder if, if this could be uh, a military aircraft uh, or if it's just something else completely different, something that is uh, simply demonic uh, uh, that quite literally has come forth uh, from hell. You go back to verse 7, the end of verse 7, their faces uh, were as the faces of men. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, Zach, that I, can, uh, that I can line that up with the helicopter. Not quite sure about that. Uh, hair as, as the hair of women. Not quite sure that I could associate that uh, with the helicopter. Um, their teeth were as the teeth of lions. Not quite sure that I could associate that with a modern helicopter. Again, uh, this language might simply reflect the difficulty of someone living in the first century trying to describe something that was, you know, still the better part of 2,000 years away um, in history. Uh, certainly, um, we allow for the possibility that this could be uh, something that is a, a literal aircraft, but I think we ought to bear in mind, Mike, we, we can't really be sure uh, about that. This could be uh, simply something demonic, uh, could, could be picturing the idea that uh, these who, um, if, it's, if it's modern aircraft, these who are uh, operating modern helicopters at this time are under demonic influence or demonic control. That, that's a possibility, certainly, but um, I'm not sure that I can make this um, be a modern military helicopter as much as uh, some would insist that that is the case. I would say that's a possibility, uh, but I don't think we ought to uh, insist that. Uh, look at verse 11. Uh, verse 11 does seem to, to uh, describe uh, very clearly that whatever is being described in verses 7 through 10 
uh, is under the, the control, uh, under the leadership uh, of Satan. Why would we say that? See verse 11. Uh, they had a king over them, which is who or what? The angel uh, of the bottomless pit. Now, Zach, we have, again, language that refers to the bottomless pit, and one, one in or from the bottomless pit, uh, angel and star. Both words are used in this, uh, in this uh, chapter, uh, as we've seen angels called stars elsewhere, for example, in Job. Uh, whatever the angel was earlier, a star earlier, perhaps is, is the angel here. And so uh, it's reasonable to conclude this is Satan, the fallen angel. Uh, verse 11, they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. Sounds like Satan, uh, whose name in the Hebrew tongue, we saw this already, uh, is Abaddon, destruction. But in the Greek tongue, uh, hath his name Apollyon, uh, destroyer. So destruction, destroyer, both both have the uh, same idea. Uh, both words are derived from the word meaning perishing or perdition, uh, something like that. And so uh, I don't think there's any question, Brother Mike, that the, the one who is being pictured, uh, the one who John is seeing in verse 11, uh, pretty clearly is Satan. By the way, is he real? Church, he's, he's real, right? Uh, sure. Uh, one of the angels created by God, um, we know uh, quite a bit about him, all that Lord has revealed, um, evidently was created as a very beautiful being, uh, evidently was given a great musical ability by the Lord, uh, evidently became very prideful about his beauty and ability, uh, and evidently um, uh, decided he, he'd like to be in control. His pride carried him to a very bad place uh, where he led a revolt uh, in heaven uh, with a portion of the angels against the Lord. Mike, that's never going to be a wise fight, right? It's never going to be wise to pick a fight with the Lord. He is uh, omnipotent. <laughs> Nothing uh, created is, is omnipotent. No, the Lord has created no one that has the uh, all the same power that, that he has. Of course, uh, his power is available to us as believers to perform the work that he's given us, but apart from the Lord, we have no power uh, anything like him. The same is true uh, for Satan and, and the other angels who rebelled against him. So uh, we know Satan is real. We know that he is leading, uh, continuing to lead a spiritual battle uh, against believers. Uh, he's interested in death. He's interested in destruction. Uh, he's interested in encouraging uh, believers uh, to focus on ourselves rather than upon our Savior. Uh, he's interested in encouraging us to serve ourselves rather than our Savior. Uh, he is interested in those things which are anti-Christ uh, and pro-Satan. That's, that's his interest, still fighting the battle that uh, ultimately is lost. Um, we know the Lord uh, is allowing him a degree of liberty at this time. Uh, we know, we see here in Revelation, the Lord will permit him a greater degree of liberty uh, during the tribulation period. Uh, he, the Lord will use him, evidently, to execute portions of the judgment that he's using to, to judge uh, and to wake people up spiritually. 
but this is all the Lord is, is using him to do so, um, despite the fact that Satan might think he's accomplishing something that is against or outside the control of the Lord. Uh, we certainly know that would not be the case. Uh, so we see um, here um, just the, the continued program of the tribulation period, a uh, very difficult time that the Lord is using to get the attention uh, of people. Verse 12 says this, one woe is past. So uh, the three woes of chapter 8, uh, uh, one is, is completed now. He says, behold, there are two, uh, two more woes coming uh, hereafter. Uh, so um, let's continue on in verse 13, the sixth trumpet, which would be the second woe. I realize that, might, that gets a little confusing. confusing. Uh, we've, got, we've got trumpets, we've got seals, we've got vials, we've got woes. Uh, don't, let, don't let that be um, uh, confusing or discouraging. Just see this for what it is. It's, it's the Lord's program to carry out judgment but ultimately to bring people to him. Uh, don't, don't lose sight of the ultimate goal and purposes here. Uh, verse 13, the sixth angel sounded. I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, uh, which is before God. So remember that the earthly tabernacle and temple of the Old Testament are pictures uh, of the, uh, the, the literal uh, temple, uh, which is apparently in the throne room in, in heaven. Uh, and so there, the Lord now has a, a sixth angel to sound uh, from that place, which is before God, saying, verse 14, uh, to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, uh, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Uh, that's interesting. Of course, that's an actual river. Uh, if you went to um, uh, Israel uh, and moved a bit east from there, of course, you have an area that's bounded by the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Uh, that would be the area of ancient Mesopotamia, um, places like Ur, uh, from which Abraham and his family came. Uh, would be uh, basically on the border, the western border, the Euphrates River. You went a little bit further northwest, you'd come to places, Mike, like uh, Babel. Uh, it would be also on the western border of the Euphrates. And so uh, this, is a, this is pointing to an area that has pretty significant uh, significance <laughs> uh, in, in Bible history uh, and world history, uh, certainly. Uh, we know where this is. Uh, verse 15, the four angels were loosed and were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year uh, for to slay, this is difficult verse, uh, the third part of men. Now, Zach, there's language where we, you know, that language was used in reference to the trees and to the ships. And uh, we said before that it's kind of hard to say if it was like a third like the top third of all the trees or, or maybe a third of individual trees uh, that would be completely destroyed. Here, it pretty clearly it's referring to uh, a third of all individuals, right? Uh, and so uh, at this point, uh, the Lord allows a third of all people living upon the earth uh, to be killed. And people look at that and say, well, how, Mike, how could that be a loving God? How could any of this be loving? Well, 
the, these people who've been warned and warned and warned and warned and warned as the uh, people of Israel were in the north, the people of Judah in the south were warned and warned and warned, get right or there will be consequences. Uh, the same is true today. Our job is to be uh, bearing the warning of hell as a consequence of sin uh, and to sharing the gospel as the answer to that uh, with the understanding that people who reject the offer of salvation will in fact uh, suffer not only physical death but a second death uh, in hell followed by lake of fire. Uh, that's, that's the fact and uh, the Lord uh, evidently will allow a third of all men to be physically killed um, at this time. God knows who will be saved and, and who will not be saved. Uh, I, I would offer that these are they who, uh, this is my interpretation, these are they who the Lord knows will not be saved. And so certainly there's no injustice here in any way. Uh, we understand that. Um, verse 16 is really interesting. I want to spend a couple of minutes on this. Uh, and the number of the army of the horsemen uh, were 200,000 thousand. Um, so there's angels uh, being pictured here, verses 13, 14, 15. Um, but there is also uh, an army of, of horsemen um, who evidently are being used um, by the Lord, uh, of the Lord, um, to carry out this judgment. Now, um, is there a nation uh, on, the, on the earth today that could raise up an army of 200 million people? Uh, is there such a nation? Brother Gary, what nation is that? It's China, right. So China has uh, a little bit less than one and a half billion people. I think it's 1.46 billion people or something like that. That's an estimate uh, today. Um, Mike, they have... Um, one and a half billion people. Right now, China has the largest army on the earth by far, but it's not 200 million, it's about 2 million. Uh, so it's about one hundredth of the size of the army that's pictured here. Um, could China realistically raise up an army of 200 million people? Uh, well, arguably they could. Uh, that would require them to conscript or put under arms about one in every seven people in China, about 15% of their population. Does that seem realistic? I think it does. Um, consider this, during World War II, uh, the U.S. population, of course, was much smaller, but about 12%, somewhere around 12% of all Americans uh, served in the armed forces during World War II. Not all exactly at the same time, but during the time of World War II, about 12% of all Americans served in the military. Uh, so it's certainly conceivable that a nation could put 12 or 15% um, of its population under armed. And for China, that, that would get them to 200 million. Now, some people look at that and say, yeah, but you'd have to be able to afford to do that. Uh, and isn't China's economy kind of faltering right now? Yes, it is. Uh, but, but what is China in the economic system today? What do they do, Gary? They, they pretty much make everything, right, uh, today. And there's, there's an effort now to kind of, uh, there's a word for it. It used to be offshoring to China. Now I think it's reshoring, uh, bringing manufacturing back. But that's a very hard thing to take a long period of time. China 
uh, basically is, is the manufacturing uh, nation to the world. And uh, assuming that continues, their economy most certainly will recover. Uh, and um, I will say this also, the economic difficulties of China in recent years um, has not prevented them, Brother Mike, from growing their military might very dramatically. Uh, I did a quick, uh, quick little uh, research on that. Uh, in, in the past decade, they've commissioned their first two aircraft carriers. They've really not had real aircraft carriers in the past. Currently, they're building at least two more. Uh, in the past decade, they've developed a new generation of fighter jets. Uh, they, they've deployed a variety of new missile systems, uh, intermediate, long-range, uh, intercontinental, also ballistic missile systems. Uh, they've invested heavily in cyber warfare, considered uh, possibly um, leading or a top two or three nation in terms of their cyber warfare capabilities act. They're hacking everything they can hack. Um, and so the, the military ascendancy of, of China just in the past eight or 10 years has been really, really dramatic. Uh, and they have the population that they, they would need to uh, put together an army of 200 million people, assuming they could afford to do that. Uh, but it certainly looks like that is uh, a very real possibility. By the way, if you were reading this passage, oh, I don't know, just uh, 100 years ago, or, or maybe 50 years ago, uh, certainly, if you were reading this passage um, more than 100 years ago, you'd be looking at that kind of scratching your head. Uh, certain people say, well, I, I can't imagine there'd ever be a nation. Maybe this is, maybe this is an army of the whole world, but people would look at that and might kind of scratch their head and say, uh, I don't know about that. I, I don't know if, if, if this could be the case. This, this must only be poetic. This is probably not literal. Uh, but today we know that it is uh, entirely possible that this, this is a literal army uh, of 200 million people. Uh, it's, long th it's long been thought, uh, at least in my lifetime, my short 56 years, Brother Gary, uh, that this could be China. And, and today, given the, the military trajectory of China, we would say sure. Uh, this, this, this almost certainly would be China and, and will be China. Uh, we understand today China's a communist uh, nation uh, controlled by Communist Party, People, People's Liberation Army, largely a godless nation, uh, certainly has strong military ambitions, uh, anti-West, anti-Israel, all of that. So uh, the China of 2023 certainly uh, appears to be a good candidate to be uh, the nation that Lord might use to execute judgment at this time. Uh, verse 17 says this, Thus I saw horses in the vision, uh, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire. Uh, people have looked at this and said that those could be tanks, Pastor. Sure, sure, they could be. Those could be tanks. Um, I don't know how many tanks China has produced, but certainly they could produce many tanks. Uh, having breastplates of fire, Jason Brimstone, the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued forth fire and smoke and brimstone. Well, that certainly could be a modern tank. That, that's a real possibility. Uh, by these three uh, was the third part of men killed by the fire, by the smoke, by the brimstone, uh, which issued forth out of their mouths. So it seems to be the case that there's an army of 200 million uh, that are 
the Lord is using to execute this judgment. For the, verse 19, for their powers in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents, had heads, and, and with them do they hurt. Um, and then verse 20. Um, then verse 20. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils uh, and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders nor of their sorceries, uh, nor of their fornication, uh, nor of their uh, theft. Um, it goes on uh, from there. Um, there are uh, pictured here uh, these who are not immediately killed, uh, who are guilty of much uh, sin, uh, false worship, murder, sorcery. So there's sin against the Lord, and there's sin against other people. Um, the Lord is not yet done with his program to uh, deal with these. Uh, and we'll see that continuing in verse 10 and 11. So uh, chapters 10, chapter 11, and, and so forth. So uh, very, very interesting prophecy. Mike, interesting isn't exactly the right word. It's, it's difficult to understand at times. Uh, we can really only theorize at times what we're seeing, as probably John did. Um, at the same time, we can understand the, the Lord's purposes here, as we've said many times. Uh, we can compare what we see here to what we see in the world today and say, yep, sure enough, um, this looks to be uh, theoretically possible for this to be an army of 200 million uh, who are armed militarily to destroy a third of the world population. Uh, that seems to be a, a very distinct possibility even today. Uh, Zach, that's hard. It's, it's hard to consider that. It's, it's arguably hard for people to um, associate this with the Lord until you consider his tremendous wrath at sin, uh, until you consider the extent to which he has, the length to which he has gone uh, to offer a solution uh, for the sins of men. He sent his only begotten son to do what on the cross? To die for us uh, so that these would not have to die. Um, he loves us that much. There are consequences for refusing uh, the Lord's offer of salvation, and certainly that, that is in view here. Um, no doubt, Brother Mike, as during the tribulation, as people look upon this, and as um, those 144,000 um, and, and those whom they reach are pointing people to scripture and saying, hey, this was prophesied. Look, look here, look, look at Revelation 9 and 10, 11 and 12. You can actually see this, this, this was prophesied. Uh, that tremendous army and all, all the, the murder, killing that they're uh, meeting out, this, this was prophesied and God has a reason for it. He wants you to come to Christ, and uh, nothing else brought you to him. And so will you believe now? Will, will you see? Will you open your eyes? Will you awaken and, and see that uh, the Lord is real, that his words are real, and finally, finally, once and for all, come to Christ? And Mike, some will. 
and we praise God for that. This is the Lord's effort to reach people uh, who can still be reached. Lord, thank you for that. We better stop there. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning uh, for uh, the amazing privilege it is to know um, how to know you, Lord, and to have a, a wonderful life with you, not a life where we're promised no trials or difficulties, but a life where you are wonderfully present in those trials and difficulties, uh, working uh, good uh, for your purposes, for our benefit, for your purposes. Uh, Lord, we thank you this morning for the privilege to know that um, anyone who come to Christ today um, can avoid the horrors of hell um, and all the things that we see here during the tribulation period. Father, I pray that the as we uh, share and teach these things, that people um, would understand the consequence of sin and the wonderful gift of salvation. Lord, help us to be a people that um, are able to understand these things in broad strokes at least, uh, that we might warn of the consequences of sin, um, but also, but also uh, use your words to share the answer for sin, the free gift of salvation that's available in Christ by simple grace through faith in him. Lord, give us hearts to share your words. Lord, use us to reach people for our Savior. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for the privilege to have these words. They're difficult, but Lord, we understand there's great purpose here. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, see you back here shortly. Thank you for being here.